Welcome to the Tag Republic podcast, a weekly chat with Carolina Guzik about all things marketing. Some episodes are short tips that you can implement in your business right away, while others are in-depth conversations with industry leaders. Whether you're a new photographer searching for some knowledge or an established professional with years of experience, Carolina offers fresh and innovative advice that can help you transform your photography business. everybody and welcome to another episode of the Talk Republic. I'm Carolina Gusik, your host, and today we have an amazing guest with us. We're going to talk about a topic that we all should be paying attention to, talking about working less, making more money. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you, Carolina. I'm doing well. Um, currently, I'm just sweating a little bit because I think I turned up the the heat too much <laughs> in the house and the sun is beaming into my office. So I'm like, okay, I guess this is what's going to be happening while we talk. <laughs> it happens to me all the time, even though I live in Miami, when it goes down to like 70, I turn the heat on. And I know this is crazy, but that's how I feel comfortable. It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> Awesome. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, who are you? What kind of photography do you do? Yeah, so my name is Sarah Monica, but you can call me Sarah. Sarah's, or Monica is just my middle name, and it was like the easier name to have for my business. So that's why it's Sarah Monica. It's definitely not a hyphenated name. Um, so I'm a wedding photographer that has a very big focus on storytelling and a documentary approach. And my main concern is always for my couples to number one, feel free to be present and do whatever they want on their wedding day. And I kind of just storytell the day that way. And specifically, like my clients are couples that are free spirited and sentimental. So those are my dream clients. Those are the clients I work on attracting. And I've been a wedding photographer now for 10 years. Um, I'm also an educator. I have uh, a podcast for photographers, which is kind of like a fusion of personal development and business. Cause I really do believe that both topics should be fused together in order to, for you to create like a life and a business that you dream of. And it's called the shine and thrive podcast. And I love it. And I still get nervous podcasting just like when we were just talking right before we started recording. Um, and a little bit more about me. I mean, I'm an Enneagram three with a little, with a seven on the side. Um, and I love to be kind of a rebel at heart uh, or a hard, <laughs> a rebel at heart. <laughs> I love to work hard and play hard. And yeah, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. I have no idea about Enneagrams, like none at all. I've tried to take yeah. that test at least five times and I get so annoyed that I'm just like, whatever. I'm You're whatever like Enneagram number is the one that gets annoyed. <laughs> That's my number. <laughs> That's so funny. So anyone who knows that Enneagram number, whatever that is, just DM Carolina and tell them. Tell exactly. her so that she knows what Enneagram she is without doing the test. <laughs> awesome. I actually have a, a podcast episode coming about that topic because I, I find it fascinating that a lot of people are really into that. So I'm like, well, let's mm -hmm. let's explore. And I actually like send, you know, the person that is going to talk about it. I'm like, I sent an email and I'm like, would you be okay with me being a little bit skeptical about the topics? So I was like, yeah, you know, well, it's going to be a good talk. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to see, to discover most, uh, more about this Enneagram situation and how it plays in business. 
I love that. And I love how straight up you are with your guests. You're like, this is me. This is who I am. And uh, this is how the episode might unfold. Are you okay with that? <laughs> so, I'm excited I mean, to listen I'm, to that one. Yeah, I'm, you know, being honest. Uh, but but well, well, today we're not going to talk about Enneagrams. Today we're actually going to talk mm-hmm. about uh, how to work less and make more money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is like the dream phrase for any entrepreneur. Uh, and I think this is something that we struggle with. I think that we have had the mentality that in order for you to make money, you have to really grind, 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 hustle. You know, we live in that, this mentality that is like, you have to exhaust yourself to be able to make it to the top. And I think it's damaging. I think it's, I'm tired just even thinking about that. And I think that there's other ways to, you know, to do business that are going to allow you to be financially independent and also taking care of yourself. So tell us a little bit about this. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is like a topic I am so passionate about. And so I used to live my life and literally, yeah, live my life and work on my business in that mindset of the only way I'm able to be successful is if I'm constantly grinding and grinding and grinding. And I think the number one thing, if you go deeper, because every, every mindset that we have, every thought, there's a reason that we are thinking that way or believing that that's the only way. And I remember for the longest time, um, people saying, oh, like, oh, so you do everything in your business, like everything, like it's just you. And I'm like, yeah. And I wore it with like a badge of honor. And I was so proud of it. I'm like, yeah, I do everything myself because I want to quality control everything. And I want to make sure it's done to my standard and everything. So my, I was always like, that's just how I'm always going to have my business. It's just going to be my, me and I'm going to do everything. But when I started realizing that no matter how efficient I made all my workflows, because every off season, I would always go into my workflows, be okay, how can I automate another thing? How can I be even more efficient? How can I even start batch editing or batch culling for me to save as much time as possible for me to still do everything myself, but have a life. And it seemed that no matter what I did, I still had to work those 12 to 15 hour days to get everything done, especially during our busy season as photographers, which it's different all around the world. But for me here in Toronto, it's like May to November is busy season, right? And I would, I mean, I would have to sacrifice seeing uh, my partner Rory in the evenings and on weekends because I was shooting and it was just like, I had no life, I had no family and friends. My health was suffering because I wasn't you know, working out, taking care of my body. Like I used to, I used to be an athlete and all that was kind of going down the drain. And I was like, okay, something has to give, how am I this busy and exhausted and only shooting 18 weddings a year when I know I could be, if I shoot more, I can make even more money. So all of this kind of made me realize that something had to give. And I kind of went on a mission to figure out how I'm able to, yeah, start outsourcing things bit by bit. Awesome. So one could say maybe like if you start outsourcing, definitely you're going to, it's like you have to pay now, right? You have to pay Mm -hmm. money. So one might think that, well, if I outsource something now, I'm making less money, right? Mm -hmm. So what's actually the benefit of outsourcing? Because yes, technically you could be making less money, but what is this giving you in return? Yes. I love this question. And I literally used to believe this. I was like, okay, why would I pay someone to edit my photos for $300, let's say, when I could do it myself and make that $300? And 
so I think it was year like 2015 or 2016 where I told my uh, well boyfriend at the time, now fiance, I was like, you know what? I can't just sit here and edit anymore. I know my time is more valuable. I know I can grow my business more if I have someone else do the editing for me. So that's where I started. And he was like, if you start bringing that money, putting it out to giving it to someone else, we're going to be out that $300. I'm like, do you trust me? And he's like, yes. So I started doing that for myself and realized, so like, there's a lot of like growing pains with like outsourcing and stuff like that. So I'm just going to focus on just the idea of thinking that it costs you more to outsource, but really it doesn't. So Mm -hmm. basically a year after I started outsourcing my editing, because I had so much more time to focus on marketing my business and actually taking on more bookings because I knew that I wasn't going to be sitting behind my computer 10 hours a day editing, my income doubled. So it was a huge like mind blowing moment where I realized, oh yeah, I make money actually photographing, actually shooting, not sitting behind my desk editing and all that money that I invested in outsourcing my editing. So let's just say, let's assume it was $8,000 for the whole year, right? I doubled my income from $69,000 to $137,000 in revenue. It's so like, wait, return of investment. <laughs> right? It was a big, big jump. And on top of that, I was like, oh my gosh, I have so much more time on my hands. Okay, how can I grow my business more? And how can I even cultivate an even better experience for my clients where I'm not burnt out? I actually have more energy to give them. So it's actually, if you really think about it, it actually costs you more money not to outsource because you're spending your time doing 10 to 20 to $30 an hour tasks when you could, when your time is actually worth doing tasks that are like $50 an hour, $100 an hour. So it literally changed my life and my business for no, the better. It, it makes complete sense. And I think sometimes as photographers, we we get, we, we focus right on like the task ahead, like immediate task ahead, which is like, oh, I just need to edit these photos and that's it. But in reality, we need to have like a, a broad, broader, is that the right word? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a vision yeah. of, of how things can, you know, you know, improve. And as you said, yes, immediately you're out $300, right? Like immediately today, right now I have to pay this person $300 to edit my wedding. Mm -hmm. But now, as you said, I have more time to focus on the things that matters that bring more income into my business. This will be marketing. This will be going out and network. This will be actually you not being completely burned out and giving your clients a better experience. And obviously when you give your clients a better experience, you can actually charge more money. Yes. So exactly. So not only you're freeing time to to book more, you know, more work, but you can actually better the experience, charge more money, and you can even have again, as you said, you know, eighteen weddings. You could still have the eighteen weddings, but charging forty percent more to those weddings. Yeah. And now every, your cover is cost, and now you have all this free time, and it's still you know doing what you love, which is like shooting. Yeah, exactly. And I th- I love that you you touched on that because I think a lot of photographers um, are stuck in thinking and believing that client like couples won't pay past a certain amount for weddings. And it's, it's definitely a limiting belief that I myself have experienced, but uh, what I personally have done over the years to kind of combat that is always staying uncomfortable with my pricing. Cause as soon Ooh, as you're comfortable, good. that means that you are 
not growing, right? So what I've done over the years is yes, as soon as I started outsourcing, I started with, with editing, but now I outsource so much more, but I started with editing. And then with that extra time, I was like, yes, how can I improve the experience? How can I do so? And then um, every about three or four or five, it depended on the season, booking season, everything. Every three, let's say wedding bookings I got, I would increase all my collection pricing just a little bit by like $200 or $300. And I would just keep that consistently growing. So it's not like I raise my prices once a year. I raise them consistently based on supply and demand. And sometimes if the demand is down, I actually lower them a little bit again by like 300 or something. And that actually got me to the point of being able, I mean, I think my highest point before COVID, I was charging about $7,500 or $7,000 just for all day coverage for a wedding. So I actually, it's like, thanks for the, to the combo of outsourcing and consistently being self-aware of my limiting beliefs around how much I'm able to earn per wedding. I slowly just incrementally got to that point of raising my rates. And then that way, yeah, I was maybe instead of shooting 35 weddings, because I at one point was shooting 35 weddings a year at about $4,000 things at $7,000 per wedding. So keeping that balance of like, that is exactly how you're able to kind of strategically grow into making more and working less at the same time. That's great. I feel like sometimes, uh, again, photographers, we all have this limiting belief, but we also are afraid of raising our pricing because we think that we need to have a huge jump, right? When you think like, oh, now I need to raise this 40%. And that could be really scary. And, you know, it's difficult to just surpass that like mental blockage that we have. But as you said, like if you're just adding, you know, 200 to $300 every couple of months, it seems easy mm-hmm. to do, right? It's not like that scary. Yeah. And even just the thought of like, okay, you know what, if a couple can afford quote unquote $4,000, I'm sure they can afford $4,200. So let's just, Correct. let's just, you know, tip it over there and let's see what happens. Yeah. So that's what made it easier for me to, to keep climbing. That's so good. So what's other thing that you are so, I mean, we start, start with like the easiest, which I mean, it's not the easiest because it does take time for, you know, to find a right editor that is going to make sure that everything looks cohesive to our brand. And I, myself, I have been in that boat, which like the first couple of times is not right. So you just have to have patience mm-hmm. to like keep, you know, you know, stay stay with your editor for a couple of times until you know they 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 nail what you're supposed to be doing. But what are some other of the things that you outsource that free you to have more time in your business? Yes, so I I love your question so much, and actually I want to touch quickly on um, the point that you just made about finding the right editor. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I learned, and I went when I went on this journey of learning how to actually effectively outsource in my business, I decided to invest um, in learning from a mentor that's running a multi-million dollar business where he's like literally the pro of outsourcing. And I learned from him. And then I, t- I took the, the concepts that I learned and applied them into workflows in a photography business. And what I realized is this whole time, I thought that when you go uh, outsource, for example, you find an editor, it's the editor's responsibility to be a good fit for you. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to just like, wait, like basically be patient and wait until they get it. Mm-hmm. But it's actually our responsibility to know how to communicate with them and how to effectively train them um, and how to give them, you know, positive feedback and constructive feedback in order for that relationship to grow. Because it took me probably two years of trying three different editing companies, four different editors, getting frustrated, being like, why? Like I'm spending 
um, two hours fixing these edits and it's so frustrating, right? And yes, I was saving 10 hours, not, not having to edit it myself. So I was spending two hours on the edits, but it still was frustrating. And so I realized it's not actually finding the right person. It's taking hundred percent responsibility for the results that you're getting from them. Cause it all has to do with your communication. So, so that's just a quick tip that I had to throw in there. Cause I think it's so important. Um, but yeah, with regards to other things that I outsource. So man, this is, I love this topic so much. Cause as soon as you find, start seeing results in mm-hmm. one type of outsourcing working for you, it becomes like a little game and you're like, what else can I let go of that <laughs> drains my energy? What else can I let go of? So um, now I'm at the point where I outsource my editing, my culling, um, my album design, my blogging, my slideshow creation, sending galleries to clients. Um, what else? Oh yeah, uh, taking questionnaire answers from couples and uh, putting them onto a template so that I have like this printout where on the day I have everything ready right in front of me. Mm-hmm. So it's this whole little thing that I do um, and things like that. And of course, now that I'm an educator, um, I outsource my podcast production and yeah, so, so much of that, but let's just, I guess, stick to photography. So that whole kind of, um, the whole compound effect of me outsourcing all of those things, I actually in the busy season, let's just take away that I'm, I teach photographers that I have a podcast host and all of that. Let's just pretend I'm just a wedding photographer. So my schedule would now look like this, shoot on the weekends, and then during the week, I only work four hours, uh, four hour work days. Oh, That's awesome. It. So the only so, thing that you're doing now yeah. is just checking, making sure that everything that is being, you know, taken care of by other people is the right fit for your, for your clients. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm quality controlling everything and reviewing everything, and I'm doing it in a way where um, I learned how to do it in the most efficient way, so I'm not sitting at the computer wasting five hours reviewing everything instead I'm doing spending maybe two hours or an hour reviewing everything so yeah my time is now spent on doing the thing that I love most which is photographing shooting connecting with clients gr- figuring out how to grow my business more and quality checking so that- it's I, and on top of that you know just living my life actually having a social life that sounds great. You have a lot of things that you outsource, right? You have your slideshows, your, you know, album design, al- well, some of the client communication seems like it. So who is doing this? Different companies, you have six different people, you have just one VA that takes care of all this. Tell us a little bit about how this uh, works. Hey, this is a quick episode intermission to let you know that my Pinterest class, The Art of Pinning, is now open for enrollment. If you're interested in learning how to use Pinterest to drive qualified traffic into your website, this class is for you. This course is perfect for wedding and family photographers. With over 40 million engaged couples using Pinterest to plan their wedding, plus 8 out of 10 women with children using the platform to find ideas, you bet Pinterest is where you want your business to be. To find more information, go to thetalkrepublic.com forward slash Pinterest or click the link in the show notes. Now, let's get back to the episode. Yeah. So my editor is based with an editing company called The Image Salon in Montreal, Canada, and they're incredible. I love working with them. And then for everything else, because I wanted to make sure I'm not spread too thin, you know, hiring all these different freelancers and just being spread too thin, I decided that I I wanted to hire a virtual assistant for everything else that I had to do. 
and I would train them on how to do everything. So it's not like I have to look for, okay, an album design expert and then a blogging expert and then a podcast producing expert. It's like I decided to hire a virtual assistant and train them on, on everything. Um, and so, yeah, I have my virtual assistant, actually I've trained her how to design, uh, all the like client communication based on the album design, because I created templates for her that I would use myself and she knows how to customize them. So a lot of photographers will probably relate to this is when I first hired a virtual assistant on my journey years ago, I think it was like about four years ago, I hired someone for $50 Canadian an hour. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was that for her to put together a blog post, let's say took her an hour or two, it was a hundred dollars. And I'm just like, as much as I would love to, you know, outsource this, this is just too much for me. It's too, too much money for me to do this. So then I found a different virtual assistant and she was about $25 an hour. And that was amazing. And she was still without all the tasks I could give her. There was like kind of like this plateau because I had this certain budget a month, right. That I, I couldn't go over and I still was doing so much more on my own and I couldn't afford to let go of more. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of, I found myself in this tricky situation. Then from my mentor, I found out that you can hire someone from the Philippines for a much lower cost, let's say $5 an hour, $6 an hour, $7 an hour US. And to them, because just of the conversion rate of the dollar, it's like a regular you know, pay or whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't think of that. So, um, yeah, I set out to look for my virtual assistant two years ago. I hired her um, from the Philippines and she is incredible. I'm so happy with her. And of of course, it's based on how I learned how to train her and everything. Um, But yeah, I think there's a stigma around hiring overseas for like less dollars per hour. But if all it is, is the conversion of the dollar and she gets to like, she has a, her husband, her daughter, she gets to work from home, uh, have more freedom in her life. And she loves being a virtual assistant and learning all these new things. And um, she specifically loves doing the tasks that I give her because she gets to look at wedding photos and all these different things. So um, that has been a game changer in my business because I'm actually able to um, afford to let go of more tasks. And on top of that, I'm helping someone live their dream life of being a freelancer and being home with their family and doing working on tasks that they enjoy. So that has been a game changer. And yeah, I've had my virtual assistant, Rachel, now for two years and we just keep growing. Our relationship keeps growing. And yeah, that's a little bit more on who is part of my team. Awesome. Very good. So, I mean, so now with all this free time that you have, you know, to book more weddings, what are some of the marketing things that you're doing to help you, you know, get more amazing clients? (laughs) Yeah. So basically when I first started outsourcing four years ago or so, I was able to spend a lot more time um, on social media in a way that was more fun for me and less stressful because I feel like I had how do I explain it? Like before when I was so, so busy and I had to like edit everything, I had to fulfill everything I had uh, going on social media just felt like another huge task. Um, and -hmm. it just made me feel tired just thinking about it. Um, but, uh, when I, when I rebranded my business, like a while back, I rebranded it in a way that was, um, more of a personal brand of marketing yourself from the inside out. And with the idea that if you you know who you are at your core and you're able to just show up that way with your personality and uh, showing the work that you genuinely love, not the work that you feel like you need to show, 
um, then you will attract those clients to you, those people that also feel connected to those things about you as a person and on top of that, your work. So what I started doing was just showing up so, so much more on social media through stories, showing bits of my, my life in a way that was like, oh, here I am going for a run or meditating and, or here I am behind the scenes on a wedding day and making sure to take people with me behind the scenes into who I am as a person and what it's like to work with me. And on top of that, I was showing work that I felt like, mm, like I wanted to show, not that I should show. So I started showing a lot more documentary style moments on Instagram, uh, which I know it's a tricky topic because so many photos get so much more traction that are more kind of like the prettier or in epic, beautiful outdoor locations. Right. And I was just like, oh, like I'm showing these documentary moments um, and they're maybe not getting as much traction in the beginning. But then as soon as I started just sticking to who I was at my core, which was my personality. And on top of that, being true to my shooting style and showing that um, the photos that I would show of like pure, like authentic moments, instead of like the pretty uh, more portrait style photos, they started getting more traction on my page because I was attracting those people that wanted exactly that. So I basically focused all my marketing efforts on that. And after some time, everything just became such a well-oiled machine that that was my only marketing strategy was showing up that way on Instagram. And I started just consistently getting so many inquiries and bookings. And when that was just a well-oiled machine, because of outsourcing and my marketing strategy already working for me, that's when two years ago, I was able to start my education part of my business, which allowed me to, you know, work from a different place in my, in my mind, in a way, I'm sure maybe Carolina, um, you know what I'm talking about when it's like, when we photograph, when we shoot, it's like, we're using our creative mind, but maybe we don't feel as intellectually stimulated. I'm speaking for myself here. Um, so I felt like I was missing a little bit of that piece of like teaching and sharing knowledge. I was also passionate about that. So thanks to outsourcing, I was actually able to bring in new income streams into my life and business and do something else I was passionate about. So now when you kind of merge the two together of um, being a photographer and an educator, I'm now working like a regular 40 hour week instead of the part time that I was working as a wedding photographer because I was outsourcing everything that I just had all the extra time. So yeah, the marketing piece is definitely um, kind of showing who you are from the inside out and attracting those ideal clients that way. Um, and I'm really passionate about that kind of marketing, kind of like an organic marketing approach. Sounds good. So when you were to, and I, I'm just going to, you know, jump back for a second here, uh, because I'm sure a lot of, a lot of us, you know, a lot of people listening to these, they might feel that way about outsourcing, right? Uh, when you were, you know, going through the process of outsourcing, and we actually cover this a little bit, that it could be a little bit frustrating at the beginning, because you're training somebody, did at any point you were just like, ah, just forget about this. I'm just going to continue doing it myself. This, this seems like a lot of work that I need to put to get somebody ready to take over my task. Yes. Love this question. Um, I think, so there were many moments like that, like you just said in the very beginning, when I didn't know how to train someone when I was clueless, because as photographers, we actually don't get taught if, whether we're self-taught, whether we go to school, we don't, don't get taught how to actually build a team, which to me is like the missing piece in all of this. But I had many, many of those moments of frustration. Like, why am I even bothering with this? Um, I'm spending this money and I'm spending this time quality checking and having them fix the edits and everything. 
Um, but the thing that kept me going was remembering my why. Like, why am I wanting to have more time in the first place? And number one, it's me always thinking about my future family. So whenever Rory and I decide to have kids, I want to be around for being able to be spontaneous and have like fun with the family all the time and not having to be stuck behind my desk and chained to my desk. And I'm like, if I put in the work now of figuring out this problem for myself in my business, um, then I will be free in the future. And on top of that, I'll be able to help so many other more time rich and money rich in their lives, just like I was. So my why is what always got me through those tough moments, because yes, they do come for sure. Well, that's a great tip to, you know, again, focusing on the why. Uh, so once again, to go back, don't look at like the immediate task at hand, but like a little bit, like a little bit ahead. What's, how is this going to help you the long run? Yeah, it's kind of like more, yeah, switching your mindset to long-term thinking versus short-term thinking. Because in the short term, you're just like, I really don't want to do this task right now. And you might end up procrastinating it, right? Um, but if I'm like, okay, if I just sit down, get this done, that will get me one step closer to having that like freedom lifestyle that I want. And that to me is worth it. So that's what always got me through those hard moments. No, oh, 100%. So Sarah, with all this time that you have now that I'm jealous because I need to start outsourcing a bunch of things, but what is something that you're currently loving? And this doesn't have to be business or photography related, but if it is, it's also welcome. I love this. Oh my gosh, there's so many things <laughs> I'm loving right now. Um, one thing I will share, so I'm doing this crazy challenge. Uh, it's called 75 Hard. Um, and I decided to to do this in the hardest time of the year for me which is winter uh, where we are right now in Toronto it's February the dead of winter the coldest months um, so basically just quickly explained the 75 hard challenge is that for 75 days straight I need to work out two days or sorry two, twice a day for 45 minutes one of them has to be an outside workout and that could be a walk um, then I have to drink a gallon of water a day. <laughs> I have to read 10 pages of a nonfiction book. So either like a business or personal development book. Um, I have to follow um, a diet. That's something that uh, speaks to me um, growing health wise. So it's not like it needs to be a strict diet. It could be whatever that means to you. And for me, I know that I feel crappy after I eat junk food or gluten or cheese. So that's, those are kind of like my emotional eating food addiction. So I want to mm -hmm. see who I can become if I don't eat that for 75 days straight. Um, it also includes no alcohol and taking a progress picture every day. So it's, yeah, if you fail at one of those things in one of the days, you have to start the challenge over. So what? it's day 25 for me. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it's who called 75 it? hard for a reason. <laughs> who created this shenanigans? <laughs> if you go Oh, if you go to Sevencom, his name is Andy, um, and he's this like hard-ass, crazy-looking person. But he's actually like really like like smart, and he's done this multiple times in his I life. I don't and, like this person already. Um, I like I've like, never you met know him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's. Do you know what? When I first heard of this challenge, um, I reacted exactly like you. Like, who would do that? I don't get it. But then for some reason, it stayed in my mind for three weeks. I kept thinking about it. I'm like, why am I thinking about it? And I think it was just the next 
it's a, it's basically a mental toughness challenge. And yep. I just want to know like, who can I become if I actually do this? So that's where I, where I'm at right now <laughs> with the extra free time that I have. Lord, this is, that, that seems like a lot, but I'm glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> I, I'm going to check it out just, just to see, just to see what this is about, but like, yeah, no, no, thank you. I would say. <laughs> So, so Monica, where could people find you if they want to hear more yeah, about you so and get in touch me, with you? Yeah, so people can find me on Instagram. I hang out there a lot. And my Instagram is at Sarah Monica Photo. That's Sarah, no H, Monica with a K. Uh, you can also find me on the Shine and Thrive podcast. Um, and on top of that, if you are someone, uh, well, if you're a photographer that really wants to learn how to become more time rich and money rich through outsourcing and learn how to actually outsource in a way that's effective and learn how to do it step by step so you don't have to spend four hours figure or four hours four years figuring out it out how I did because it takes a long time to figure it out um, if you want the step-by-step -step guide then I do launch my outsourcing course for photographers once a year so if you want to make sure not to miss it you can go to sarahmonica.com forward slash waitlist and then you'll be, you'll be sure to be the first to know when it does come out. Absolutely. I make sure to add links to all these amazing resources. Uh, if you're listening to this, obviously you like podcasts, so go check her out. And Sarah, thank you so much for all the information that you give us. I think that you uh, guide us in a way that, that is going to empower a lot of people to take the next step to, you know, start outsourcing. And on top of this, you know, conversation with the guides that you have, you can definitely, you know, help us a little bit, you know, better with this, you know, transition, because I know, I know a lot of photographers have been wanting to outsource, but they, they get overwhelmed by the thought of like, oh my God, I have to train somebody, how am I going to find this person? So I think this is going to be great for everybody. Oh, thank you, Carolina, for having me. I'm so grateful. And I always love your energy when I listen to your podcast. I'm just like, you're such a great interviewer and so candid and ener energetic. So I love it. And it's, yeah, an honor to be on the show with you. Thank you. It was a pleasure, a pleasure having you as a guest. And for all of you that are listening, thank you so much for staying all the way to the end. Make sure once again to go follow Sarah uh, and connect with her. And until next week, see you soon or, or talk to you soon. Ciao. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more info about marketing tips for photographers and show notes, please visit thetogrepublic.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Want even more? Join our marketing community group. Just search for The Tog Republic Group on Facebook. Until next week.